and rolling wild. Oh, I, I was going to say, are you ready? But this is always rolling. <laughs> you know, it can't just be all acting all the time. You got you to gotta have other stuff that is separate from the business that you're trying to make it in that fulfills you. Something that doesn't necessarily require somebody else's approval. Things, things that are, that are self-fulfilling. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Rolling Wild. You're in for a spectacular treat today. I am so thrilled to be speaking with Josh Keaton, everyone's friendly neighborhood space dad. So Josh is an actor and a singer best known for his work on shows and games like Voltron Legendary Defender, where he voiced the beloved paladin of the Black Lion, Takashi Shirogane. Shiro, for short. The spectacular Spider-Man, where he voiced the titular Spider-Man, one of the most beloved Spider-Mans of all time. Marvel's Spider-Man the Video Game, where he motion-captured and voiced villain Electro. Metal Gear Solid 3, Snake Eater, where he voiced Major Ocelot, and of course, the beloved Disney film Hercules, where he voiced adolescent Hercules. I also do want to mention the much-loved Green Lantern animated series, where he voiced Green Lantern Hell Jordan, Transformers Prime, where he was Tailgate and Jack Darby, Skylanders, where he was Spyro, and another 200 awesome credits on IMDb that you should just go check out because (laughs) it is a trip to see this guy's resume. Josh is also a husband and a father to two adorable kids, a tech enthusiast, and a talented carpool karaoke Oh, thank you. <laughs> should, we, should we tell the audience about, about the Parker luck that we had with the last, uh, the last <laughs> go around at this? Please go for it, Peter Parker. All right. Well, um, and, and this is kind of a, an, embarrassing, an embarrassing black eye to such a tech-savvy person such as myself. Um, I'm super paranoid about the internet, and so I have every <laughs> single browser and everything locked down on my computer so that you know nothing can access my, my cameras or my, my microphones or my hard drive. And uh, I didn't really realize that I needed to allow some of those permissions for this podcast. So, yes. uh, so when we finished... Um, Alejandra had a, uh, a very long session of just herself talking and I was nowhere <laughs> to be found. I was the invisible Josh Keaton, uh, the voiceless Josh Keaton. And, uh, and so, yeah, so we're, we're getting back around to, uh, to doing this again now that I've actually fixed my computer so that it is recording my audio. And, uh, and that's why you're hearing me speak right now. Thank you so much for taking out some more time to hang out with us. Oh, I felt so terrible. I felt terrible. No, no. I mean, this just means I get to hang out with you more. Sweet. Awesome. So and It was a lot of fun last time. I'm so bummed that nobody is ever going to hear that. because I know. I know. They can hear one side of the conversation and then just fill it in. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Josh Keaton Mad Libs. Exactly. There you go. Just toss it out to everyone else. Caption yeah. this. There you go. Yeah. But it's like an hour long caption this. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So for those, the first thing I want to ask you, for those who don't really know yes. where the much loved Space Dad moniker comes from, when were you dubbed Space Dad? Well, Space Dad, actually, a, a lot of people think that it was Shiro who was mm-hmm. the, uh, the original Space Dad, but he wasn't. Mm-hmm. The first time I was ever called Space Dad was Hal Jordan in Green Lantern, the animated series. And for those who haven't seen the show, it's a great show, by the way. If you liked Voltron, um, you'll, you'll love a lot of what's in Green Lantern as well. Um, but basically, Hal Jordan, uh, who was the character that I played, is on this ship um, with uh, another Green Lantern named Kilowog. And 
it has an artificial intelligence who he gives a name. He names the AI Aya. And um, the AI basically creates this anthropomorphic form for herself. And um, later on in the show, they kind of pick up this Red Lantern who's, and these aren't really big spoilers. I mean, this doesn't really give away any of the emotional crux of the show or anything, but they pick up yes. the Red Lantern named Razor, um, who's like this rage bunny, um, <laughs> very, like enemies with the greens. And, um, you know, he's kind of their prisoner. Well, he kind of has a little bit of chemistry with the developing Aya and, and vice versa. And uh, Hal Jordan doesn't really like that. And so he's always kind of the dad in the room whenever uh, whenever Aya and Razor are uh, are interacting. And so and so, yeah, that's uh, that was the first time I was ever called Space Dad. And then when it when when um, Voltron came around and, and it was Shiro time, I remember <laughs> I was doing an interview. I want to say it was with Let's Voltron, the Let's Voltron podcast. And they were just kind of asking, you know, what of yourself do you bring to this role? And I was basically, I think I was kind of a newer dad at the time. I, I, mm -hmm. I, I, I can't remember how old Lola was. Maybe she was one or two, but I was a newer dad. And basically this was like the first time I'd ever really had to be responsible for something's life. Um, I mean, I'd had pets and stuff, but like a person, a person that is of you. And, um, it's just it, it was a whole different experience just being having having to just be thrown into that responsibility like that and and i i took some parallels with with how shiro must have felt um not necessarily saying that he was their dad or anything but but that that type of responsibility um yeah. and, and having that kind of on your shoulders was was what i wanted to bring of myself to this and so uh and so the space dad moniker came back around and uh shiro's space dad now yeah yeah that's it's great to have the background on that because I think you can definitely understand more of where all the the love that is in Shiro as a character came from. Absolutely. Because Absolutely. so many people gravitated to and connected with him on a very human level. Yeah, there there's a self a selflessness there that um that that is really it's it's endearing and and especially when you just when you see how much he keeps it even when it's a detriment to his own life, you know, he, he, yeah. he takes care of everybody else, but he's a disaster. He's a mess. Um, but nobody sees it. Yeah. Speaking of parallels that you have with Shiro, um, I know that as an actor, like we try our best to take care of ourselves and as voice actors, as my voice just starts to just completely go, <laughs> we try to take care of our voices and everything. Yes. But for the most part, I think uh, a lot of things start to fall by the wayside. Yeah. And I mention this because you in particular um, have all this great advice and you you do take really good care of yourself, but there are certain things where you're just like, it's fine. Like, I'll worry about it later. Like, oh, yeah. I, I'm good. Oh, I'll yeah. just push through. Well, and and that's that's not good because um, stuff doesn't necessarily fix itself. And so right. the longer you let it go, the worse it ends up getting. I mean, I think we talked about this last time, but um, I mean, for, for those who don't know, I, uh, I had my shoulder fixed this year. Um, and I injured it like literally half my life ago, like 20 years ago, I injured my shoulder. I was, um, I was much buffer back in the day and I, I worked out a lot more <laughs> and, uh, but I was also much dumber. And so I was basically doing more weight at, uh, at the gym than I should have without a spot. I was doing like an incline bench press with dumbbells. And at the time, I think I was able to handle like maybe 75s 
And I was like, oh, I'm going to knock out some 85s today. And I didn't have a spotter and I was a dummy. And I was like, ah, I'll be fine. It's only 10 more pounds on each side than what I'm used to. It's good. So I was doing my set and I pushed out that last rep. And as I was pushing it out, my, um, my, it was on my right side, my, my elbow locked and then my shoulder dislocated from oh. my body with 85 pounds in it and no. came down and yeah. And, and, uh, I basically still kept trying to finish my set and it kept hurting more and more, but you know, I was like, you oh, kept going. Yeah. Well, cause I didn't know that what I had done, it, I must've been on adrenaline and it hurts, I, but I'm going to keep going. Yeah. Yeah. You know, <laughs> the pain, you know, work through it. Um, but yeah, and, and after about a week and a half, it didn't really hurt as badly anymore. So I was mm-hmm. like, I'll be fine. And I didn't really realize that I was walking crooked. <laughs> I didn't, <laughs> I, I'll go back now and I'll look at like on camera stuff that I did. And I'll look at myself from the time after yeah. I had injured myself and I'll look at it and, and it's clear as day. I'm like, I'm walking crooked. <laughs> like my, my shoulders are not. It was your swagger. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It was my swagger. There you go. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, oh man, I fixed it. I've gotten rid of all my powers. <laughs> what have I done? <laughs> my swag is gone. The swag no, is gone. It's gone. It's gone. But um, but yeah, I noticed that I was walking crooked, and um, and it wasn't until like last year that I really figured out that this injury in my shoulder was affecting my voice. Um, it, it I mean, because I guess what happens when you tear tendons in your body, your body starts recruiting the help of other things in the area to try to stabilize what's been injured. Yeah. And what's around your shoulder, your neck, your throat, the side of your face. And so, I mean, I always had a lot of tension there because of that, a lot of tension in my throat, my neck area. And that kind of has a pretty drastic effect on your voice, whether or not you you are aware of it, because your vocal cords have to be super relaxed in order for them to do what they do, for them to you know stretch and, and shrink and let you do high-pitched stuff and low-pitched stuff. And everything has to be relaxed. And once you have tension from an outside area that is kind of pulling things in ways that they shouldn't be pulled, then your body now has to compete against that. And those little tiny uh, muscles around your vocal cords are absolutely no match for, um, you know, shoulder muscles, neck muscles, all that kind of stuff. So um, you're basically like walking uphill with your voice. So after an hour, you're going to tire versus after four hours, you're going to tire. You're not going to be able to hit notes as high or as low because everything's tight. Um, so yeah, so that, uh, I, I definitely should have gotten it fixed a, a long time ago. And, uh, and yeah, like it, it all, it all started like a couple of years ago. I, I lost my voice for about six months, which is horrifying and, and, uh, and terrifying as a voice. Actor. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I, you know, I'm, I'm working through it and uh, a lot of it's come back since I've gotten it fixed. I still have to do a lot of like, uh, like vocal therapy and stuff, mm-hmm. um, to, essentially retrain my my body and some of these muscles that have just kind of learned these new positions and and ways of doing things that they shouldn't be doing um but you have to undo that and that's like 20 years of undoing right so yeah so i got i got my work cut out for me but um but i'm i'm definitely feeling a lot better and 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 stuff's on the mend so yeah i mean i guess my my big my big tip to anybody is don't let any of these things just kind of sit and fester you know you got to right. you hurt yourself get it fixed get it fixed, go, go work it out because it's, uh, it's gonna, it's only going to get harder the older you get and the longer that you let that injury sit. And honestly, better safe than sorry, because when we're younger, we're, we think we're invincible, right? It's like, it's fine. We'll just get through it. Um, and I'm sure you didn't sit with it for 20 years because you were like, I'm purposely sitting with it. You thought you were fine. I thought I was fine. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, when you're young, you kind of, you, you do bounce back a lot quicker. I mean, I remember, uh, I have to basically 
I've had to change a lot of things about my diet and about just the way that I do things now that I didn't have to worry about when I was younger. I used to drink soda all the time. I used to drink tons of caffeine every day. Um, before any session, I would just have a ton of you know diet sodas, whatever, and never feel any ill effects. And now, now that I'm older, like my body doesn't bounce back as much. So it's like I'll mm-hmm. have caffeine and I'll feel it. I'll feel it, and and it dries me out. It dries yeah. out my throat, and and I'll feel that towards the end of the day, towards the middle of the day even. And so I've had to definitely cut down on that. I've had to cut down on things that give me reflux because that's, uh, you know, that's, that's not so good for your vocal cords either. Like it's, there, there's a lot of things that when you're younger, you, you bounce back from pretty quick being tired. Yeah. I mean, I, I remember being, staying up all night and partying and still being able to do sessions and, and be fine and bring the same energy that I would have brought had I not been out all night. And that just doesn't happen anymore. If I have an early session and I have to bring young energy, then I got to get some sleep. <laughs> Like it's, uh, you definitely, you definitely have to make adjustments as you get older. Getting old sucks. (laughs) (laughs) But it's also a good note on prep for anyone, no matter at what point you are in your career. Yes. Because I know for me, like even now I won't do, um, heavy caffeine or carbonated drinks or dairy before a session. I cannot do dairy before a session because you get kind of that phlegmy sound that kind of sits in the back of your throat. Yeah. And it just clicks. Yeah. You make these little popping, smacking sounds. So, and the yeah. worst when you do like that, you have a really emotional scene, and you feel like you nailed it. And they're like, "Um, we 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 had a tech on that. We had tech gonna- on that. Oh, <laughs> no, no, I can never plumb those depths again." <laughs> and, and then you do, and it's all good. But you know, yeah. Well, we're glad that you're on the men now, and you finally took care of it. Oh, thank you. And uh, and that hopefully we're gonna get more carpool karaoke from you, some Tuesday yeah. cartoons. Absolutely. I got to start doing that again. Cause that's a, and and that's another thing, you know, like you get injured and then stuff gets affected and then you can't really do things as well as you used to. And even if it's only temporary, it kind of discourages you. And then you, you kind of stop doing it. And then a few months pass by and you're like, Oh, you know, I haven't really been singing. And, and and that's, that's a bummer because that's something that, that brings me joy and, and to not do it because I've been discouraged and, and uh, through injury or whatever, it's uh it's, I think, I think this has all been a good lesson for me in terms of just kind of keeping positive because, you know, stuff, stuff gets thrown at you and, and you gotta, you gotta persevere and keep going no matter what. I mean, so much of this entire career choice is such a mental game. Oh yeah, absolutely. It hinges on mindset a lot of the time because one, as an actor, you know, we're, we're using the instrument of ourselves and our emotions and our experiences and the lives we've lived. Yes. You're laying your soul bare for any performance you give. Yeah. So it's it's incredibly vulnerable and it's hard not to let that affect you at other points in your life, whether it's just I'm booking, I'm not booking. I really wanted that thing and it didn't happen. You know, I didn't do with that performance what I wanted to do. What was the casting director thinking? What was this other person thinking? You know, it's really easy to get external with searching for that approval, especially as a performer. And then it just festers internally. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you got to fight against that because, you know, there's, there's going to be, there's going to be ups and downs in in every acting career. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I, I just had a situation that I was telling you about where, you know, I booked a really cool role and then three episodes in, they decided they wanted to go a different way and I'm not that role anymore. And that's, that sucks, you know, but but that happens. That's people have different creative uh, visions for for how they want something to be, and 
um, sometimes you might fit into it and there might be one person who, who has a different idea and they might override all the other people and that's, that's where you're at. But you know, you just gotta, you gotta take the, what you learn from that. Um, and again, it might be something that you have no control over, in which right. case you really have to, you have, th- that's where, that's where all this self, uh, self-examination comes in and, and just staying healthy mentally because, you know, there's, there's so much rejection in this business and there's so many things yeah. that can not go your way that, um, you know, that's, that's when you gotta, you gotta rely on family, you gotta rely on, uh, on hobbies and, and things that other things that you derive happiness and joy from to, to get you through the low times, you know? Yeah. And those are also the things that help you build out a career because you have more to pull from. You have, um, a, a palette with more colors. You have a toolbox with more tools in it. Absolutely. Yeah. That's, that's a, that's a super important, that, that, that's a great point because, I mean, what are you when you're acting? You're, 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 I mean, you could be playing yourself or somebody very much like yourself, or you could be playing somebody completely, completely different. And who knows, maybe one of these, one of these things or hobbies that you picked up that you didn't even know you would be interested in, maybe that comes into play and you, you might, this character that, that might otherwise be nothing like you might have that. And so now you can kind of pull on your own experience that you never really would have known that you were going to use in anything else. Like, I, uh, I went to USC and I graduated and, you know, put myself through college, all that. And, and there were times when I kind of second guessed it. I'm like, man, I'm spending a lot of money to go here. Do I really, I mean, am I ever going to really use this? I'm already doing what I want to do, but it really does help make you a more well-rounded person. It really, you get exposed to so many different kinds of people. You get exposed to so many other courses of study and, and all of that it's all stuff for your toolbox. It's all stuff that is going right. to make you a, a richer person to draw from when it comes to building up characters and, and put you um, in, in a space with other people. Cause that's where, that's where our characters come from or, or the people that we, that we see or interact with. Yeah. A hundred percent. And whether that's something like, you know, going to college or a four-year university or doing something totally different. It's so important to find fulfillment in what you do outside of your acting career or a career in entertainment. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right? Because when you talk about those things that are outside of your control, 90% of what we do, if not more, is completely outside of control. We have control over our isolated performance. And And that's that's kind of it. That's kind of all we we have control over. And you and I were talking about this last time, but the idea of gravity problems, which is something that is completely outside of your control, like gravity, you're not going to budget either way. So whether it's a corporate decision, you know, a decree given down from on high, you know, or, or a technical snafu, whatever it is, there are so many things that are outside of your control and you're not going to budge them either way. So. Yes. It's just better to be completely comfortable and satisfied and fulfilled in what you do have control over. Absolutely. And that's also another, another that takes to the discussion to another point where when you go and audition, it can't be, I have to get this job. You have to be doing that for you. That's mm-hmm. got to be just your own little personal performance for whoever's in that room. And you just got to do it because you love it. You got to, you got to do that performance because it's a fun thing to do and you want to just be that character for a few minutes as opposed to, I got to do a good job on this so I get this job. 
because yeah. it's you're you just bring a different energy. One, you're bringing the character's energy. The other one, you're bringing a little bit of your own kind of personal desperation into it. And that that yeah. you know, it uh, you know that 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 doesn't work in your favor. Right. And as Rob Paulson once said, Hollywood can smell fear. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Speaking of great advice from vets in the industry, I like to bring this one up, and I've brought it up before, but it's something Charlie Adler said to a group of us in a class setting and I like to drop it on other actors because it was such a punch in the gut for me okay that I like to spring it on other people (laughs) but basically he had us all there in the class sitting and he just says who here likes to act raise your hand who likes to act all the hands go up then why are you suffering (laughs) wow why are you guys suffering Every audition you get, every time you're in that room, anytime you're in front of anyone, whether you're performing by yourself or for an audience, that's your opportunity to do what you say you love. Whether you book it or not, your job is not to book. Yeah, your job's to act. Your job's to act. And if you love it, why are you suffering? That is absolutely true. That is absolutely true. I remember, uh, oh man, Carrie always told me uh, a story Oh man, I, and you know what? I don't want to tell it because I'm going to butcher it. I'm totally going to mess it up. Um, he was telling us about the time that he met like Al Pacino, and um, he Al Pacino asked him like, you know, what do you do? And he's like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm an actor and I do this and that. And then Al Pacino basically just looked at him and said, no. He's like, you're you're in a rut. And he straight up called him out. He said, <laughs> he said, you know, telling him, you know, if if you're an actor, then then you know, what are you doing? What what are you doing for this that you say you love doing? And yeah. you know, when I when I'm in something, I tell everybody what I'm doing. I'm always trying to get involved in something like this. And I'm I, again, I'm totally ruining the story. But basically, the point of it was that he basically just got called out by Al Pacino for for not really taking the initiative to to really. Uh, be be confident about his career and about yeah. and, and to to be um you know to to tell people what was up and 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 know what was going on and it it was uh yeah i totally just ruined that story i got to have Barry tell me again um but i'll never tell it like him man he does he does the voice and everything he can do a great you know it's amazing you know and it's the kind of thing that just sort of sits with you because you're like what what am i doing you know, yeah. For anyone else, even from that little piece of the story that you told, it's like, well, what am I doing? Am I being proactive about this? Am I feeding my artistic, you know, spirit outside of when I'm booking work? Yeah. You know, am I doing things outside of acting that are feeding me as a person or making me happy in, in what I'm doing? Yeah. Uh, because that's kind of the fuel that keeps you going. Yes. You know, you, you mentioned there's so much rejection in this and there are so many almost and, you know, what we sometimes like to think about as missed opportunities, um, which is a really frustrating way to live, thinking about it that way. Absolutely. And it's easy enough to say, you know, you go in, you do what you put it out there and you move on. And it's the healthiest way to live for sure. But there are those little things that that hurt a little more that stick with us. Um, sure. So for you, you know, having worked in this industry for for so many years, what's kind of something that gets you through that or those moments when you have those disappointments? Obviously, they sit with us for a bit. Like there's no getting over that initial emotional reaction to something. Yeah. But how do you refocus? It's It's weird and it's probably like a really bad way of doing it. But I basically just have to distract myself. I have to 
I have to almost like ignore it. I have to ignore the fact that that happened um, and just keep busy with other stuff. I have to occupy my mind with different things, whether it be just getting into some house project where, um, you know, I'm building something, working with my hands or, or, uh, you know, go take the kids to the park or, or all of the above, or just clean or, or I have to basically just refocus my mind by, by keeping busy and, and getting off of that because there, you know, you really do bury your soul for all of these auditions. You're showing a piece, you're sharing a piece of yourself. Um, yeah. Whether or not it's a character that is anything like you, you got to that performance by pulling from yourself. Um, and so, and made, made it real for yourself by, by doing that. So you're still, there's still going to be that, that personal connection to whatever you put out. And, and if, if it doesn't work out and, and it doesn't work out repeatedly, then, then there's going to be that self-doubt that creeps in and then, mm-hmm. You know what am I not doing? And I mean, some of some of that is is healthy to take stock of. There might be some things that you're not doing that you need to work on. Mm-hmm. But if it's gravity problems, then you gotta you gotta just get out of it. Because if you just sit there and think about it, then you're just gonna go down a dark hole. And and uh, <laughs> and then I mean, you you might go far enough where you you even start questioning why you're even doing this. And and that's like the worst place to be. So you just gotta you, you gotta find other stuff to do. Like it's it's, it's weird. I, I, I don't really know. Yeah. I don't really know how else to, uh, how, how else I would, how else I would tackle that. Like I'll, I'll go to the gym. I'll go, I'll go clean up the backyard. I'll, I'll go, uh, you know, read, read with the kids or play some video games or just something, anything. You just, yeah. you just gotta, you gotta get your mind off of it. Well, and it's like, get out and live, right? Live a life. Yeah. You don't just, you can't just sit in your booth all day and sell. Exactly. And that's why there have to be other things that make you happy. Right. You know, it can't just be all acting all the time. You got to, you got to have other stuff that is separate from the business that you're trying to make it in that, that fulfills you. Um, something that doesn't necessarily require somebody else's approval, you know, um, things, things that are, that are self-fulfilling. And you also mentioned going ahead and taking stock of things, right? Because a lot of that is also great feedback. Sure. You know, obviously there are the things that you kind of, all right, you let go and you move on because it's outside your control. But some of that stuff is feedback. And, you know, looking through your credits, a lot of the feedback I'm getting is that you play heroes. <laughs> yes. So yeah. what is it about Josh Keaton that that clicks with a hero? I have no idea. I, uh, I I like to have fun. And I think that there's an aspect of that in every hero. Um, there's, there's, I mean, I don't know. I think that there's, there's a lot of, uh, and this is probably not all that healthy, but I mean, this might be why I, I was such a convincing Shiro. Like I end up, I end up kind of pushing down a lot of the stuff that bothers me, mm. um, as opposed to just kind of dealing with it head on. Um, and, and, and I'll end up kind of taking that and, and using that to do something else, which I mean, I guess can kind of be, I mean, a lot, a lot of the, the heroic type characters do that. You know, they, they have all this inner pain that, that was probably their origin story or whatever, right. and they still have to fight against that so that they can, they can do this other thing. Um, and I, I mean, honestly, I think that that's a story that's not just me or not just a hero. I mean, I think that's why we like heroes so much because mm-hmm. they are making something positive happen from their pain. Um, and I, I think that that's kind of the story of everybody. And that's why we, why we love these heroes so much. And on the flip side, I know that now recently you've been able to play a few more villains. Yes. And I would say that villains 
they, they tamper down those impulses much less. Right. So oh, yeah. It's, it's yeah. Well, I mean, they're kind of I mean, I know there's the, the axiom that they're they're heroes in their own story. Um, right. And so to them, they are heroes. Um, but it's just to society, what they're doing might be completely abhorrent. And so, um, I, I mean, those are super fun to play because a lot of it is just kind of is taking that ride and, and saying what, a, what would have to happen to me or where would I have to be in my life for this hero's actions or the hero, <laughs> this villain's actions. He's a hero in his own hero. story, Josh. No, but that's what I mean. Like, What would have to happen to me? Where right. would my life have to go? for for those things to be acceptable and and even heroic to me um and that's that's kind of a scary place to go sometimes to yeah. see, to kind of know look inside yourself mentally and, and see what what even mentally you're capable of imagining um but it's it's fun you know it's it's kind of a since i'm not actually doing it it's a <laughs> it's a it's a fun fun little game to play with yourself and it's it's different it's different than than playing a hero um but in some senses, kind of the same. Um, it, it's yeah, the villain just doesn't really deal with the the stuff as well as the hero um, all the time, in in my opinion. But yeah, yeah. And speaking of villains, you played Electro on yes. the Spider-Man video game. Yes. So, yes, yes. um, you I know are super into like tech and all the cool technology that's coming out and you're a big geek on advancement. I know you're always posting on social about all this stuff. Yeah. Um so I'd love to talk to you about working in video games and working in mocap. It's it, I love mocap. Um I grew I I started out in the business as an on-camera actor and so that's that's something that's very comfortable to me working on my feet, working opposite another mm -hmm. actor. Um and and I, I just I, I love that. I, I love I love the feeling of being in the moment because you don't really get a lot of that. Well, you, you do in some some voiceover, but especially with video games, the trend has been, you know, you're just in a room by yourself. You have tons and tons of contextless script that you mm -hmm. have to make it through and you have to ask your voice director a lot of questions. And and that's that's pretty much the that's pretty much the game. But um, with mocap. It's much more like theater. It's much more you're you're in an open space. You have you don't have costume, you don't have props. I mean, you have like prop analogs. So you'll have like the only things that they actually do give you are like the weapons. If you're if you're holding like a, a gun in the game, it's it's usually weighted. It's usually pretty dead on um in terms of being a replica. Cause they they that's that has to translate when they when they do the motion. It's got to be the right size. It has to look as though it's the right weight for you to be carrying. It has to affect your movement in that kind of way. Um, but you don't have a lot of set. You have you have this big open area. You might have a box that represents like a desk or whatever things like that. But you still have space, and you still have the other actor there, and you still have the timing of of actually you know playing out this moment, and and you know seeing the other person's response and having to react to that. Like, I love that. There's a, it, you kind of get this adrenaline going and it's, it's just different. It's, it's, you could have the best imagination in the world and game out every single situation and be super specific in how you imagine this scene that you're going to play by yourself. And then you throw another actor in there huh. and it's totally different. Like they, they can throw completely different choices at you that you never even accounted for or thought of and 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 you got to respond to that that's that's exciting 
And, and I love working that way. So, I mean, mocap has been incredible. And then from a purely technical standpoint of getting to watch this technology grow is awesome. Like I remember the first time I ever heard anything about mocap was on a Simpsons episode where um, Homer makes a small investment in this company called Animotion. And, um, and basically it's a mocap suit. And uh, I, I forget what it was. He, he, he ends up going to the bathroom while he's wearing the suit. And so he makes the, the animated dog or whatever pee in a urinal or he had, he had no idea he was actually still uh, transmitting movement data while he was in the bathroom. It was, you know, hilarity ensued and all that. But that was like the first time I really saw mocap, but the technology wasn't really that advanced when they had that out. I remember the first mocap job I ever did was uh, the Mad Max video game. And in the Mad Max video game, they didn't know right away if they had the scene because the technology wasn't at that point yet. Mm. Basically, you would record these scenes, you would act out these scenes, and it wasn't until after everybody had left for the day and they took all those hard drives and pulled the data <laughs> out of those hard drives and put them into the computer, did they know did if they it? got the work done that day, if they oh, had no. acceptable takes, if they had acceptable data or anything. Now, it's evolved to the point where it's an emotion. Like you're literally mm. looking at a representation of yourself on the screen live while you are on the volume floor with kind of like a, a rough, probably maybe 50% background of what the space that you're in the game is going to look like. Um, so you can basically, even though you're in this empty room, look up at the screen, see yourself in whatever character's uh, costume or whatever they're going to put you in. And you're, you're in a space like you can, you can see what you're going to look like. If, if there's a box in front of you, that's supposed to be a desk. You see the desk on the screen. you you see everything. You see all the other characters that, that you're interacting with in their um, skin, I guess. And, and so you can not only see that, but they can record it and play it back with camera movements, with all kinds of stuff. So, and, and, and what's even more amazing is that there is really no camera because everything's a camera. They're recording you in a big 3D space and they can place the camera anywhere after the fact. So if they want to have like this wide, wide shot to a tight push in, they can make the camera do that afterwards. If they want the camera to start up in a corner and then like end up on the floor next to you, they can do that. They can, they can do all of that. It's incredible. It's yeah. uh, uh, the fact that they're just kind of recording life in, in, a, in an area and then they can kind of make the movie from that however they want. It's it's pretty fascinating. And the fact that they can see it almost instantly is is even more fascinating. I mean, obviously it's it's rough renderings and stuff. It's not, you know, a, a lot more work has to get done, you know, with texturing and all of that. But but I mean, it's th that's all going to happen. Pretty soon it's just going to be like I mean, you won't even really have to record anything. It'll just be you put on some goggles and you're there like the holodeck. It's nutty. It's nutty. It's really cool. From a performance standpoint, how does, because I know you said you started out on camera and on stage. So working in motion capture, I know it has its own kind of, you know, set of rules and, and technical limitations and also things that you have to account for. Your neck gets tired. Your neck gets tired. You're wearing a helmet that has a camera that's like held out and it's, it's a very light camera. But, you know, with, with physics and all of that, when it's held out probably about seven or eight inches in front of your face, like it, it seems even heavier than it is. And so like you will have a sore neck the first day that you make that. But uh, yeah, I digress. We were talking about, uh, what were we talking about? 
Oh, just about performance in general. So, like, how does it compare to an on-camera performance, for example? You know, is is there... Like, for example, when you move into voiceover from on camera, there's yeah. a sense that if you play it the way you would on camera, sometimes it falls a bit flat. Yes, because when you're on camera, you can rely on your facial expressions. You can rely on subtle movements, a subtle movement of the hand or some some weird eye twitch or some some tell that your character might have. You don't have any of that in voiceover. You don't have a costume to get you into a movement uh, pattern. You don't have a prop um, to, to use, you don't have any kind of object work. You don't have a set to go and explore. Um, you're the person you're acting opposite against doesn't, might not even be there. Um, and they definitely don't have a costume unless, you know, they're, they're cool like that and show up <laughs> a voiceover session in costume. With- Method voice actor, you show up in full garb. Yes, but you don't really see that a lot. Um, so yeah, so there, there is a lot more imagination work that has to happen, um, on the actor's part when you're, when you're doing voiceover. And I want to say that I want to say that mocap is kind of like a marriage between the two, because yes, there is that other actor there. So you are going to have the benefit of facial expression. You are going to have the benefit of your own facial expression, your own motion, your own movement, um, and and you can you can basically tailor that to how the character is going to be, as opposed to you know voiceover. It's just your voice, and having to make do with just that. Um, but in mocap, you still have to kind of have that imagination that you would have in voiceover to. Um, you know, figure out how the set is going to be. It's not always shown to you in a previs and and you still have to interact with it as if it's there. You still need to ask a lot of questions. Um, there's, I mean, your, your movement is a little affected by the mocap suit, but not so much. Um, but yeah, I mean, there, there's just, there are fewer actual physical things that you can, that you can use as motivation in mocap. There are more than, than you have in voiceover but mm-hmm. not as much as you would have an on camera. So um so there's that for sure. For sure. There's definitely more more imagination involved in mocap than there is in uh, in on camera, but not as much as in as in voiceover. And from like a purely physical standpoint, would you say again, you were saying, you know, a subtle shift of your hand or like a tilt of your eyebrow on camera reads yes. in mocap because you're working with Basically, these little balls on your mocap suit are creating a sort of skeleton. Yes. But it's only hitting certain points. It's not hitting every single point on your body that can articulate. So is there a sense of having to maybe exaggerate the performance a little bit and try and get bigger motion? There absolutely is because because the other thing is that the way you – what's captured when you're mocapping is not everything. They capture a lot, but there's still going to be somebody that – that skins that character, that wireframe. There's still going to be somebody that puts um, that puts clothing on it. That's going to have to look at that wireframe data and either, you know, they they might they might not have seen that subtle hand motion that you did, mm-hmm. um, or or the eye thing because even uh, facial expressions are they're, they're starting to record those a lot better now. Um, so they they might see that, but I mean, yeah, there 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 always is the. Um, there definitely is a necessity to kind of to to play up a little bit of the physicality, um, and especially now I'm working on a VR game right now. I can actually talk about it because it was announced. I'm gonna... Yes, New York yes. Comic Con 2019. Yeah, I'm going to be playing Tony Stark in the Iron Man VR video game. Woo! Yeah, so that's kind of cool. That's but awesome. It's super cool, and and it's actually kind of freaky because they scanned my head to put my face in the game. It so looks like you. It does. It's super like the deep fake potential is is terrifying. 
but it's getting a little bit like neuromancer. It really is, right? Yeah. Oh man, but it's uh, it, it's gonna be really cool. It's gonna be really cool to see that. Um, but I totally forgot where the what what the question was and where we were. Well, going. you were talking about basically when you know the game devs come in and they're putting skin oh, on a wireframe character. They might exactly. not see so subtle things. They're gonna well, they're gonna also have their own uh their own ideas, and so there there really is more of a collaborative effort in terms of creating a character. It's not just all on the actor. Yeah. Um, so in VR, it's even a little bit more like you almost have to exaggerate some of the motion a little more because as opposed to being helped by camera cuts and angles and and what you would normally see in a cinematic where, you know, they do it like like a like a movie where where, you know, you'll go into a two shot or a wide shot or an over the shoulder or they'll kind of go back and forth. So the camera itself is a character in this game or in this in this thing, um, whatever it is, um, animated series, whatever. The camera is is a character by the way it's framing, by the way it's moving, by who it's choosing to focus on, all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, they're kind of helping narrate the story. In VR, there's none of that because you as the player can move your head wherever you want and look at whatever you want and something always has to be going on wherever right. you're looking, kind of. So if you're just waiting for a response, this is one of the hardest things about VR mocap are these things called idols. And idols are after you've already said your thing and you're waiting for the player to make a decision. Mm-hmm. Obviously, time doesn't just stop, and and you know you can't just stand there frozen as this character while the character <laughs> while the the player waits to or you know is making their decision, figuring out what they're going to do. So you have to basically kind of move subtly as the character while you're waiting and trying not to move, but mm-hmm. still move but have it not look like you're just trying to keep motion happening. It's and now in, I'm moving. Yes. And, and doing it in character and not having it be distracting enough so that the character, uh, the player just focuses on that instead of making their decision. It's, it's, it is so not what anybody does in real life and, <laughs> and you have to make it look natural. And that's, that's yeah. it's probably the most difficult part about, um, about voice. Uh, I'm sorry about mocapping or the idols. That's interesting. When you first started doing mocap, was that just something that kind of came natural physically, for example, or was it something that you kind of had to you had to really get familiar with how you move in space and maybe how this character moves in space and how you have to account for those things? Well, being somebody that came from on camera, th- those are all choices that that I was used to making uh, ahead of time. And and even even with voiceover, um, I still make a lot of those choices because mm-hmm. I still like playing things as though it's going to be on camera. Um, I I feel like when you do the motion, it it helps. I mean, if I'm if I'm doing a fight scene that where I have to be, you know, throwing punches and like I'll actually be moving my arms in the appropriate way. If I get hit in the stomach, I I recoil from the stomach. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember when I was uh, when I was Spider Man and I had to do like web swinging stuff. I would actually kind of go through the motions of web swinging while I was doing it, so that because I mean it's going to affect the way that your body moves, right? It's going to affect the way that your voice comes out while you're doing that. Um, so I mean, there's there's definitely that. Um, the first, like I said, the first thing that I did mocap wise was Mad Max. And I played this character named Jeet who, um, he was like this, this tweaky guy who, who was like the, the leader of this one, uh, like a settlement. And it was like the first one you have to ally with in the beginning. And this guy was kind of weird, man. Like he had all these metal, uh, things embedded into his skin, in his face and his like arms and stuff. 
And the, the reason for that was, was that he got these crippling headaches and he was crazy enough that he would basically, when he would start getting these headaches, twist these shards of embedded metal in his skin so that (sighs) the pain from that would take away from the pain of the headaches. (laughs) And so just knowing that I basically kind of figured out some of those things and, and I really had to kind of sit with it and be like, okay, you know where, and, and, you know, yes, I absolutely pinched and twisted parts of myself to see, oh, 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 oh man, that really hurts. Yeah. That'd be the one I would twist because that would, that would, you know, and yeah, you got, you got to do those things. That's not the fun of the, of the character. (laughs) Half the fun is just torturing yourself at home for research. Torture, (laughs) (laughs) self-torture. You did mention Spider-Man and about like web slinging and doing that in the booth. I know you love Miles Morales, and you recently saw Into the Spider Verse. Yes, and so I know. I want to get your take on this. My, it takes away some of my geek cred, but that that it took me so long to see it. But in my defense, I mean, I, you're a busy guy. Well, I have a four. Uh, they just turned uh, just turned four, and I just turned six year old, and so I haven't been to a movie theater in years. Um, there's just no time. It's, it's crazy. And then and then I didn't want to watch a lot of Marvel movies because I was so behind, and I wanted to watch them all in chronological order. Yeah. I didn't want to see the last one until I'd seen everything that came before it. So, so I don't think I'm, that takes away from your geek cred. I think that is showing you just how much of a geek you okay. are. Okay, okay, I'll, I'll take. Right? I will take that and run with it. Um, right, you're yeah. like I didn't. I gotta see them all in order. In order in the, in the appropriate order. So there, there's that. Now I'm almost caught up on all the Marvel movies, but I did finally see uh, Into the Spider Verse, and I freaking loved it. Yeah. If I couldn't love Miles more than I already do, um, I man, he, he what a, what an origin story. What an origin story, and 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 now being a dad, oh, the thing that destroyed me was the dynamic between his father and his uncle and him mm. and how he had the the dual loyalties and then like the the scene where the scene where the father goes to the dorm room and in and Miles is all webbed up because you know all the other Spider-Man told him that he wasn't ready and he's outside so he can't talk to his dad he can't answer him back because his mouth's webbed up and so his dad comes to tell him that he loves him and to tell him what happened to his brother and you could hear the guy who did I don't know who the actor is but he was brilliant the yeah. fact that I could hear in his voice the pain for his brother, who he was on the outs with to begin with, the fact that you could tell that he still really loved his brother and was just devastated that this happened and knew how much he meant to his son and knew that he was kind of on thin ice kind of with his son and that the, you could just hear it all in the guy's voice and his performance. Yeah. It was so good. So good. And and as a dad, man, like I I was just hearing these these words from a whole different perspective. That destroyed me. I like I I couldn't make it through that. I just had tears flowing. And then and then when when um again major spoilers for those who haven't seen this, but when uh, his uncle again more more spoilers. If you don't want to, if you haven't seen it, then turn off. This now. is the spoiler break. Yeah, so, the spoiler break. Yeah, well, so, we'll put timestamps in the show notes so you can skip through if you haven't seen it. Yes. So when his uncle gets out at his prowler and and you see that he knows that it that Miles is is the the Spider Man and um you, you just hear how disappointed in himself he is that he feels like he let his son his uh, his uh, nephew down oh god oh, I'm getting emotional talking about it now it's so so much so many amazing moments in that yeah in that uh, in that movie and and I loved seeing all the different Spider Men and um you know hopefully. Uh, Hopefully Spectacular will make an appearance in, in a Spider-Verse movie. I think that'd be awesome. That would be amazing. Let's yes. make it happen, guys. I would love that. That would be that. fantastic. 
Yeah, everything about this from the writing to the performances to the animation, everything was just so beautiful. And you were mentioning this before, but it's like a love letter to Spider-Man. Absolutely. To, to, to everybody, to everybody in the that, that has ever loved Spider-Man or has ever read a Spider-Man comic or that has ever worked on a Spider-Man comic or show. Or it was just it was everything was was perfect. Even the fact that they made me feel bad for Kingpin. I mean, <laughs> like, <laughs> what is what even is that, man? Yeah. Yeah. What a great movie. What a great movie. And also such a beautiful example and such a testament to animation being a medium, not a genre. Yes. You know, because a lot, you know, there are a lot of people that want to write off cartoons and animation as a kid's medium or a kid's genre and that it's very limited in, in the kinds of stories that it can tell. That movie had more heart and more... More character development and and more uh, story conflict and uh, than than so many of the movies, so many non animated movies, most of the non animated movies that I've seen in the past few years. I mean, it just it really it really knocked it out of the park. Yeah, completely a triumph through and through. Yes, I'm gonna watch it again tonight. <laughs> so I, I'm glad that uh, that we got your take on that from one spectacular Spider Man to. Another Spider-Man, Miles Morales. And you know what? I hadn't watched it when we did our last uh, when 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 we did the the interview that 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 I messed up. So uh, yeah. So, so maybe that's why it happened. Yeah, exactly. It was so yeah. watch the uh, Into the Spider Verse and 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 give my hot take on it. Exactly that. And now we also get to talk about your Iron Man VR because yep. that was announced after our previous recording. That's right. It was announced. Yeah. After. Yeah, you got to. Actually, why don't you tell everyone a little bit about the press you did for that in, was it Madison Square Garden? Yeah, that was probably one of the only times I've ever been nervous before a panel. I mean, I've done a ton of these, um, but, and and I totally got, I I psyched myself out when they told me it was going to be at Madison Square Garden. And so I was totally like freaking out. I was like, oh my God, I'm going to be on (laughs) Madison Square Garden. Oh, what's going to happen? And and it ended up being super, uh, super chill. And super fun, and no reason to even freak out about. Um, but it, it was a lot of fun. They 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 took us out to New York, and we we got to do a couple panels. Um, we did a signing. We did one on the uh, a panel on the floor, um, and also one at Madison Square Garden. And it was it was great. You know, it was um, it, we we got to we got to show off more of the game. I think this is the first time where they actually announced that that it was my face in the game. So they showed yeah. those assets. Um, it, it's, it's cool. Like I'm, I'm, I'm really excited to see that the more people hear about the game, the more, um, the more into it they get. Cause like, I remember in the beginning people were just like not really wanting to give it the time of day. Cause they thought it was going to be an on rails shooter. And for those who aren't uh, familiar, that's kind of like what you see when you see VR and like an arcade where yeah. it's VR and it's 3d, but the camera and all the movement that happens is all scripted. And so basically you're just kind of looking where the camera looks and shooting at stuff. That's what they mean by on rails. This game is not that, uh, this game, you can kind of fly anywhere. Um, even if you turn away from the TV and, and go the other way, like it'll still mm. know where you're going. Um, there's a story campaign in it. Um, it's, uh, it's a good amount of time. I don't, I don't remember how many hours, but it's, it's not like, it's not like what they call a VR experience. Like it's a, it's a full game. It's got, it's got a story. It's got unlockables. It's got collectibles. It's got, you know, bosses. It's got lots of stuff. So it's, uh, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. And, and it was designed from the ground up as a VR game. 
So it's which uh, is key. Yeah. So camouflage is really it's it's not something that was a console game that they're just like okay it's 3D and VR now. It's this was designed with the whole uh, the whole aim of of taking everything from VR into account and really using it to its fullest potential. And and I mean just getting to fly as as uh, as Iron Man it it feels amazing. It it really it it they did such a great job with that. And and people are going to be so impressed with how detailed the uh the the hands are in terms of mm. um how how they how you use them in the game because they're that's how you fly around um because he uses the uh the repulsors on his hands to fly around like jets but he can also use them as weapons so you can shoot with them you can do all kinds of stuff but but the amount of uh fine gradation and how like when you turn your hands how it affects the direction you're going is is cool like it's it's it seems really really difficult until it just clicks and then once once it clicks for you you're just like flying all over the place it's it's awesome that's really cool and it's cool to hear how much you geek out about this stuff too oh yeah i mean this is stuff that i've that i've been dreaming about since i was a kid like to to be able to like go into a video game where it feels like i'm flying like and and to be able to control it and control it with your body and not just with like little buttons on a on a hand controller like I mean, they're still hand controllers, but they're actually where you would be. Like you stand, like you you feel like you would stand in the suit. You know, you put your hands out like Tony does, um, like you know, little I'm a little teapot, um, <laughs> and you and you you fly around. It's it's awesome. And was there this like wacky sense of cognitive dissonance when you like first saw your face on Iron Man? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like terrifying, and and <laughs> it, it was look, it was awesome because I'm like, hey, it's me, and. I'm Iron Man. What? Um, I am Iron yeah, Man. I am Iron Man. But <laughs> at the same time, I'm like, okay, they can they can basically make my face do anything now. Yeah, <laughs> anything. that's crazy. Yeah, it's nuts. It's nuts. It's relinquishing that control over yeah, your image. Yeah. Especially because in voiceover, right? You can you get to shift through so many characters and faces and people. Yeah. And it's yeah. you, but it's never you. Exactly. And even when you mocap stuff, I mean, Electro kind of looks like you too. No, that, that they they scan my head for that too. So that that was that that was my face for sure. Yeah. When does that like decision come into the process? Do they approach you and say, "Hey, we want to use your face"? Um, they they do actually. They um they they asked if they could use likeness on uh, on it, and uh, you know, there's a separate negotiation that has to happen for that. And uh, and yeah. And and I mean, this wasn't a huge budget game because, you know, VR, it's not it doesn't have the user base that a non VR game would have. So mm -hmm. usually a lot of those games are done with a much smaller budget. But um, I, I really just looked at it as a really cool opportunity because there aren't a lot of well, I don't I don't really think there I think there's one that just came out, but there really aren't a lot of AAA VR games. Mm -mm. And so yeah. to be part of that um, and to be Iron Man, like, yeah, like it was it wasn't a hard decision to make. I mean, Iron Man as a character likes to, to he's the guy for firsts, right? He likes to launch things. You know, he launched the Marvel Cinematic Universe um, and you got this like great VR game coming out. Yeah. Um, he's the guy that starts the movement. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and I mean, I, and now you're that guy. Yeah. And I kind of see this as a cool outgrowth of Peter Parker anyway, because like there's so much in common between the two of them. They both have, you know, tragic, family backstory origins and uh they're both brilliant scientists and uh, mm -hmm. and you know they, 
Tony, Tony has his own share of Parker luck. Don't get me wrong. Uh, <laughs> he's had a lot more things happen that, that have gone right, but that ne- hasn't necessarily come without a cost. So yeah. he, he has an easier time hiding it because, you know, with wealth, you can hide a lot of problems. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, he's a, he's a, he's a really fascinating character too. He's, he's, he's a lot of fun to, uh, to play. And, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's been, uh, it's been quite an experience. That's awesome. We are coming to the end of our hour together. I can't believe it went by that fast. Yeah, that was a quick one. But before I let you go, I did want to ask you, because for you at this point, it's not so much about, okay, what's the next dream role? Because you've had your share of pretty fantastic roles and and characters that have affected people in really like awesome ways. Yeah, yeah. So I know we talked about this last time that it's almost like having a punch card at this point and hitting all of like the major highlights of I'd like to do these things. A VO bucket list. Yeah. Yeah. Your VO bucket list. So, so what are a few things on your VO bucket list? Uh, let's see. Well, I I'm, I'm enjoying this villain thing, but, you know, yeah. I'm getting to play more of those because for a long time, you know, it's been, it's been a lot of heroes and I'm not at all, uh, ashamed of that. I'm, I'm quite proud of it, but, um, but it's always, it's always cool to play from a different side. And then, um, I would say that, in terms of just dream stuff, like I think that I need to start getting more on the ball in terms of just creating my own stuff because I have a ton of projects mm. in various stages of completion that that are fun, and I mean, I, I think that they would they would really be cool things to put out. So, um, yeah, I need, I need to get I need to get some of my own laziness in check and uh, and start finding the time to to finish these things because. Um, you know, I've, I've told a lot of other people's stories and I've, I've been a lot of other characters, but there's, there's plenty of my own stories to tell. And, uh, and I, I'd really like to start working on those. Awesome. We will be eagerly awaiting those. Awesome. And the return of Tuesday cartoons. Yes. Yes. I got to start doing it again. Whenever that comes back. My, my mother is a huge fan, so she is eagerly waiting. I'll give her a big hug for me. I haven't seen her. I will. I will. She loves you. She's awesome. She's really (laughs) really just awesome lady. And very last thing, if you had any advice for your past self starting out as a performer, or maybe not starting out because um, maybe people don't know this, you started out very, very young. Yes. Um, But maybe just younger self, you know, when you really started deciding that this was the career path you wanted and maybe something you would have liked to have heard, you know, when you were younger and and needed that advice. I would say um, if you get hurt, fix yourself right away. (laughs) Yes. Number one, number one would be that would be, um, would be don't, don't let any injuries kind of sit. And, and that would go for physical as well as emotional. Um, again, like that's, that's probably my biggest, my biggest, uh, shortcoming is the fact that I don't deal with stuff uh, head on right away when it needs to happen. I just kind of sit on it and let it fester and, uh, and hope it all goes away. And, uh, and that's not necessarily the best thing to do. So, uh, I've been, I've been a lot better with it. Uh, as I get older and I realize that that's not necessarily the best course of action, but yeah, I mean, having that drummed into my head when I was a kid, absolutely would have been, uh, would have been some good advice. Yeah. And actually just bringing it back to Shiro to close it out nicely. Um, again, I think that's why so many people had so much love for him because I think that he helped a lot of people work through that stuff and really, um, highlight that stuff in their own lives. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of people are scared to talk about it. I think a lot of people think that, that that is a weakness and that, you know, whatever 
they're going through, nobody's going to understand because, you know, this is a shortcoming or a failing of their own and that nobody else could possibly understand this. Um, and, and then when you look at, you know, we live in a world where everybody's showing their best self on Instagram and this and that and their best life. And so you're, you're looking at this kind of stuff and you're just like, man, what's going on with me? And what people don't necessarily realize is that a lot of those other people who people are judging themselves against have these same types of problems. These are universal problems and, and things that, mm -hmm. that everybody or, or just about everybody experiences. And so for a character like Shiro, who on the surface looks like this golden boy, he's gorgeous and tall and strong and can do anything. And he's a mess. Yeah. And, and he's still, he, he is just like everyone else in that he's still trying to make it through the day. And yeah. that is so universal that I think that that's, that's why people are able to see themselves in Shiro, even if they're not six, four and, and, and thick and, and just like the best at everything. Like they can still see themselves in Shiro because it doesn't matter that Shiro has all that because he's still hurting. He's still got stuff that he has to deal with. And in that sense, he's just like everybody else. Yeah. It's been such a pleasure and such a joy to have you on, Josh. Thank you I'm so, so much. I'm so glad that we could get this done and that we could, uh, that we could do it again after, uh, after, after my Parker luck. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much. I appreciate you times infinity. Oh, thank you so much. I, I really had a good, I really had a good time. And uh, I look forward to being back on the show in the future. How cool was that? We got to hang out with Josh Keaton, everyone's favorite friendly neighborhood space dad. It's always such a joy to speak with Josh. It's such a joy and a pleasure. It really, really is. In a community of just really, really awesome human beings, which is this voice acting community, Josh is one of the best people you will ever, ever meet. So smart, so funny, so kind and generous with his time, and super down to earth. Not only that, he's a big nerd, and we love nerds around here. So thank you so much for listening in. If you're enjoying these episodes, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, anywhere you listen and can leave a review, please do so. Please share these episodes with people you think might be interested. Please reach out on social media. You can find me on Twitter and on Instagram at Ale Reynoso, A-L-E-R-E-Y-N-0-S-0. And if you have any questions that you would like to get on the show, potentially, things that you think might be helpful to the rest of our Rolling Wild community, you can leave a question with the hashtag, hashtag CatMikeQA. C-A-T-M-I-C-Q-A. All right, we'll call this one episode 204, Voltron's Friendly Neighborhood Space Dad with Josh Keaton. <laughs>